I went to get coffee, and instead I got iced tea. I don't know how I feel about that. Welcome back to HR Talk with Ricky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another fantastic episode of Human Resource Talking. I'm JC, HR Talk Podcast co-host here. It's my pleasure to be back with you and going across the bow to sunny Central Florida. The man, the myth, the legend, you know him, you love him. He is everyone's favorite spirit animal, Ricky Bias. I am a spirit animal. You are. You are a giant silverback in the wild jungles of human resources. Why I got to be silver? Because your hair is silver, Bias. (laughs) Get off it already. Jesus, Louises, mess, mess, mess. We are a mess. I'm so getting old. Ah, we both are. I remember like it was just yesterday. It it seemed like it was just hours ago. We talked about it on the last show. I went outside. I fell on my hip. I'm still sore. I'm I'm hobbling around. Yes, like it was. Rick, I swear it feels like it was only a couple hours ago. It it I can't even believe the pain. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Hey, how this, uh, you had uh, big festivities last week for the big game. You had some time with the uh, face of the franchise and some of the HR Talk podcast crew. How'd that go? Man, it's always a great time when the face of the franchise comes over and uh, his family. You know, it's his family. It's like my family back and forth. And um, some other friends came through. It was fun. There was a lot of chicken, a lot of grilling because the face loves to cook. He loves to cook so much. He brought his own grill. He doesn't trust anybody else cooking any kind of meat on a grill that's not his so he brought his own it was a great time i love it love hanging with the guy i yeah. love that man that's that's the way it has to be that's um, right mr Baez. so on behalf of hr talk and on behalf of myself actually as well as uh, as the host of interesting things with jc as well as the co-host uh-huh. of the hr talk podcast hr talk podcast.com you know, woo, yeah, I I had the opportunity. I had the opportunity to um to host another podcast, to host another <gasps> program, Mister Bias. What? And here was one of the super cool things about this one. Um, it was put together by the HR lady, Wendy Sellers. She gave me a call. Wendy. Yeah, Wendy, yeah. Wendy, Wendy. She gave a call. And uh, she said, JC, would you be willing to come on and help moderate slash host this this podcast I want to do? I said, yeah. Wendy, you know, this this is a great idea. I'm all in. And her concept was to put together an ability panel. And mm-hmm. she's got, uh, I, I'm not going to tell you too much. You're going to learn about it coming up momentarily, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I have a recording here for you. It's it's consumable. It's, it's a solid 45, somewhere in that range. There's Wendy, the HR Talk Lady Sellers, myself, uh, Allison, and, and Jeff. You're going to learn more about them. And it's it's all about how we need to reframe, or how, rather, how we could reframe the way that we look at disabilities in the workplace mm-hmm. and how they are actually more so considered abilities. You know what? Before I hit play on that, Ricky, what's your initial take before you even get a chance to listen to this with me? I I think it's necessary 
I really think it's necessary. Too many times we have a lot of webinars and presentations like we do, you know, just talking about recruiting, right? But I've never seen or I hardly ever see a recruiting initiative about people who have different abilities. So I'm really looking forward for this one because um, segments like this need a lot of airtime, a lot of airtime because I know there's a lot of people out there who, not that they don't pay attention to, but they're so stuck on what they're working on right now and recruiting people for this job that they forget that there's other people out there with different abilities that can bring incredible value to your organization. So I'm looking forward for this one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our ability panel today. I'm your moderator, JC, co-host of the HR Talk podcast and also the host of Interesting Things with JC. It's my pleasure to be here, invited as a special guest on behalf of Wendy Sellers, the HR lady, and our dear friends, Allison and Jeff. We're going to be finding about them, their background, and how they fit into the mix of this amazing yet interesting topic coming up here momentarily. So our panelists today, they're here to break down the stigma of people with disabilities, hence why we call this the Ability Panel. So let's go ahead and meet everyone that's here, starting with Wendy Sellers. Hey, everybody, Wendy Sellers, the HR lady, and I am here to help employers fill jobs, to be quite honest, because I am so busy right now and Everybody is dealing with the great resignation and turnover. And where do we find people? We don't have enough people. And we do. We're just looking at the wrong people. One of the set of people that we're not looking at is individuals with a, uh, a disability, a physical or mental challenge. And so that's why I asked everybody to be here today to talk about that openly and honestly and to meet my friends who are just awesome. Wendy, thank you so much. Moving around the room, if we could please, Jeff. A little bit about you. Good evening, everybody. I'm Jeff Hushnow. I am 50 years old, and I do have cerebral palsy. I abbreviated CP. So if I use CP, it means cerebral palsy. A big part of what I do today is a result of 20 years of management experience in both grocery store and retail. And the reason why I do what I do is I had a point in my life where my, my career struggled. And when I had to rebound, I realized how hard it was. And for the first time in my life, I found myself with an awesome resume. But guess what? Couldn't I get a full-time job? And I started asking why. So that started the career I got now as a trainer and a public speaker. And one of my missions is to come together as a society, encourage people with disabilities to get out there and look for work, and encourage employers to take advantage of the assets that people with disabilities bring to the table. 
and I'll talk about that more. Really looking forward to the next half hour to 45 minutes. Jeff, can't thank you enough, and we're deeply looking forward to getting deeper into that story as well. We also have another panelist here, fantastic professional in her field. Please welcome Allison. Tell us a little bit about you, please. Hello. Like you said, I'm Allison, and I am a person with a disability. I was 15 years old when I broke my back in a snowboarding competition. So I've got just about 20 years now using the wheelchair and um, a full use of my upper body because I broke my thoracic vertebrae. So um, I was in high school and that's when I first became familiar with a lot of the programs that are available to help me and made it through college, grad school, uh, got my first job and then started my own business. And so now I am a mental health therapist and I own my own private practice. Fantastic. And thank you so much for being willing to be here and share your story as well. Wendy, I've got a, I got a question for you on this one in, in general. So, so why aren't employers hiring more disabled people to fix the current worker shortage that's, that's taking place out there? Oh, thanks for asking that. I mean, I think it's a twofold, threefold, fourfold. It's a lot of reasons, but I think the number one reason is they're afraid. They think they're going to just get bad workers, shoddy workers, workers that can't perform well, that are going to need a lot of breaks or assistance or whatever it might be. And they're also afraid that they're going to get sued because they don't know what they're doing in the disability world. They don't know, the employers don't know what they're doing. And so instead of asking questions of, to the candidates or to panels like us, they just avoid it altogether and find other reasons to not hire those individuals. And, and then on, on the second part of that, I want to say, like, I don't even think employers are thinking about it. They're just it's not their ideal candidate. They don't know the laws, which is where I come in. They don't know that you're supposed to be giving people accommodation. Uh, again, I personally have dealt with this a lot in, in my practice as an HR consultant where I have to educate employers. Hey, it's not what you think. And first of all, you're missing out on great workers. Second of all, you're breaking the law. Jeff, I know you had a few thoughts about employee morale in this regard. Isn't that right? Yes. Thank you. Morale is one of my pet peeves. And I got a bunch of them. I got a bunch. But morale is up there as number one. And why? When morale goes up, production goes up. A CEO looks at numbers. And morale turns into production. Production turns into numbers. Numbers turns into more hires. So how can we affect that number? When you, I'll take me as an example. I work for minimum wage. I got a full-time job. I give 150% effort. I might not do the 100% of the production that you need. But what I do is I motivate the team. And I don't do it directly. I do it indirect. All I know how to do it, JC, is work my tail off. 
So I'm not going in. I want to get hired. So I want to change the way. TJ Maxx, they got a morale issue. That's not what I'm doing. I'm being me. Yeah. I'm working my tail off. So when people look at me, two things can happen. The guy or lady or gentleman who's given 50, they're going to look at me and they might, they might critique themselves to say, well, he's given 150. Why can't I give 80? If that guy with CP is doing what he's doing, shame on me. I got to take a checkup from the neck up. And then the other thing, people look at me, I smile, I'm happy. I communicate the way we used to do. I tell people hello, whether I know you or not. And what does that do? That makes you feel like somebody on that team wants you there. And it's not about what you're doing. It's just about enjoying who you work with. And in my opinion, we need to get back to that ASAP. And people with disabilities can take a lead role in doing that. So you're you're basically saying taking loyalty and enthusiasm and, and pushing that to the next level in a way, right? I didn't even talk about loyalty, Jesse. The deal with loyalty is I know from my from my management background is a big expense to a corporation is turnover. Yeah. And why am I sitting there selling people with disabilities and talking about lessening the turnover line? It's because when we get an opportunity, this is a sad fact of life, but it's true. We know we might not ever get another shot. So guess what? We're going to give you everything we got. Because if we, if we don't make it, that might be our only shot. So it's kind of fear-based but in a positive way. Indirect motivation. Turning yeah, to the person to your left or right. Finding that inspiration, yeah. that fire in the belly that ignites and sends it to that next level. Taking your team from A to B in a way that you might not necessarily find in a worker other than someone that has that desire and intent, just like Jeff right there. I'll tell you what, there's... <laughs> Something extremely commendable about that, but I've I've got a question here for Allison, real quick. Um, what what do you wish that coworkers and managers knew about people with disabilities in general? Well, I, disabilities in general, there's such a wide spectrum, and so I want them to know that they probably don't know, right? So, a lot of people in college were gone through this training in some class where they were sat in a wheelchair and then asked to go around and live a day in the life or like put a blindfold on and try to figure out what it's like. And I feel like those were the most damaging experiences for those people because if someone that's blind is knows how to do 
a million, a thousand things they've been doing this every single second for years, right? Or me in a wheelchair, like I could do circles around you while you're still trying to figure out how to go left or right. So you are not getting, you are getting a miseducation. And so that's really upsetting that they still continue to do those. Um, and then people go into the world thinking, wow, like I can't imagine how hard that is. Or they can't imagine the adaptations that a person's like, I, there's, I have a friend who, whose arms are a bit shorter and they're like, they don't see how it's possible when actually there's amazing, really, really rad adaptations where she can outperform a lot of people. So I want people to think to do, to go into it saying, I don't know. And I shouldn't assume that I know, but there's a lot of resources to find out and to, to support so that they can do just as much as the rest of their staff or more. And like Jeff was saying, we're an amazing visual um, inspiration or check up from the neck up. Like, Oh, maybe all my excuses might be BS because here's the person that can't use half their body and they're outperforming me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> both, both of you, to me, I was just thinking, I was starting to type it in. I'm like, Allison, the most cheerful person I know, you know, is like, I can't even, we both live in Florida. Sorry, guys. You know, so if I can even complain about the rain right now, I'm like, yeah, whatever. You've got nothing, Wendy, right now. So it, it truly is, uh, I can confirm being around both of you is a huge inspiration. And it just, it makes me in my daily life just say, wow, like, They've got a really good attitude and don't even think about having a bad attitude right now around these two because they're going to they're going to check you on it because you two are real. Not everyone's going to do that. You two will <laughs> in the most nice way. <laughs> yeah, I got a question for you. And, and if I, Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. You first, please. If, if I might add, when he does about this all the time, Let's call ourselves the box. If you want to pay somebody to find a needle in the haystack, what better person to pay than a person with autism? Let's go out the box and research some of these, like Allison said, Allison said, some of these different types of disabilities. We're not looking for, we don't want you to hire me to get a tax break. And we'll talk about that later. I want you to hire me because you think I'm the man. So let's go outside the box and look at our company and look at different types of disability. And we might be able to make some money by I hire people with disability because we're, we're, we're good at such things. Right. Jeff, yeah, question for you I here. To, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, JC. Well, I just, I, I don't want to transition off the topic unless you're ready, though. Go go right ahead, Wendy. Come mm-hmm. on. No, I, I was going to say the same thing as, as Jeff, too, is that, you know, we're we're in this world right now of, you know, finally, we're in this world of diversity and inclusion, right? We're finally here. The pandemic forces to be here. Many things that happen in our global economy and the world and, you know, uh, civil unrest have forced us to be here. But so many people are still not thinking. So many employers are still not thinking 
of the diversity and inclusion of people with a disability who could actually be better employees than the ones they have now. <laughs> so that's, that's my, that's my take from an employer side. Like there's, it does, it doesn't make sense to not make it happen. All right, Jeff, what do you wish that people in general would ask you or would listen to you about regarding being someone with a disability? I don't like to be patronized. That's my big peppy. If you don't understand what I'm saying, if you don't believe that I spent 20 years making good money in another state, just say, Jeff, I don't see that. What I'm looking at doesn't equal what you're telling me. So don't patronize. Be honest with me. When you speak to me, don't shake your head if you don't understand. You are criticizing my intellectual, my, you're cr- criticizing me. By shaking your head like a bubble doll. Don't do it. If you don't get what I'm saying, give me the opportunity to clear up my speech and become comfortable and let me learn how to relate a message to you. But first, I need to know that you truly care. That's probably the short version of the last three minutes that I've been talking. I need to know that you care. Wendy Sellers has my back. And one of our first conversations was about people having my back. I need to know that people have my back. So what's a few of the ways that you've figured that out? I'm I'm sure that there's been some tough lessons learned over a long span of time. But when you talk about finding that authenticity in other people, is it that genuine conversation, that connection, uh, them them being open and sharing with you? Or is it them asking certain questions along the way? Or do you feel that you have to coach them almost at times? I I have very, I have people that, I call best friends in my life that I cannot talk about what I do for a living with. And when I was single for so long, I had trouble talking to them about the emotional struggles that I was dealing with as a result of being disabled. Just because they're my best friend doesn't mean they're my go-to person when it comes to my emotions as a person with a disability. Allison, when you when you think back, let it be a day, a week, or, or decades, you know? It, and by decades, probably only just one. You're not that old. Come on, let's be honest here. You <laughs> know what I mean? So when, no, when, right. <laughs> when you think back, though, can you think of instances where you feel as if you've been or or you you felt that it was impressed upon you that you were less than somebody else? Were there situations like that? And, and how did that make you feel or how did you deal with that? Oh, that's like an everyday. Um, 
Really? So it, oh, literally oh, yeah. every day. But, uh, that I leave the house. <laughs> so especially trips to Walmart, gotta find the good stuff there. But um, so running into people, and I actually have a great deal of patience and compassion and understanding for where they're coming from. Um, because before I was a person with a disability, I had never met anyone that had lived life in a wheelchair. And so I was the first person I ever met with a disability. And so I remember what it's like to have all the dis- the misconceptions, the misunderstandings. And I remember what it's like not to know. So when I'm going through the grocery store or getting out of my car and putting gas in it and people are like, Oh my God, you're amazing. That's inspirational. That's just what I'm also hearing is like that they think that or that that is something special. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you should see me spearfish in Malaysia. Like I, or which language and which country did I live in by myself? But you think pumping my gas is cool. Like an impressive feat. So I'm constantly underestimated, but I understand also in compassion, like they, they just don't know that they haven't been exposed to it. That's not their fault. They're, I always look for their intention behind it. And if they have genuinely nice and people with disabilities, my recommendation is really look at that person's intentions. If they're trying to be kind and connect with you, that's what matters. And so I work with people sometimes on how to respond to that so that you don't feel disempowered. You feel actually empowered to educate depending on the mood you're in. And um, so, um, yeah, they've had lots of experiences of people underestimating me. And then I could later go into some different work experiences, but just on the daily, I think people aren't aware of my abilities because my disability is very visual. I've got a question for both of you, for all of you, actually, anyone that wants to chime in on this one. When, when you're thinking about a disability, not all disabilities can be seen, right? And, and we're, we're framing this in the aspect of abilities. Jeff, Allison, when, when we think of those people out there that may be listening to this, that do have a disability that you cannot see, what would you, what would you say to them to find the strength or empowerment or embrace that side of themselves in a way where they might be suppressing that or living with the secondary emotion that they're struggling with? Cause they, they have this disability. But they're just not, it's not visibly seen. Like they might be misinterpreted by others. Go ahead, Alex. Okay. Um, So each person will individually need to address like what are their abilities and what do people misunderstand most frequently. And I would encourage them to say, I experienced this, this, and this, and not but, and this is how I navigate the world because of that. Right. So not discredit, like, well, I do this and this and this, and I can't do this, this, and this versus, you know, these are how I do things differently because of this experience. So like even just this, so I, as a therapist, I work with people that have invisible disabilities, whether it's PTSD, depression, anxiety, social anxiety, all kinds of disabilities, encouraging them to say, okay, well, yes, you, this is your experience. And let's talk about how you handle it and how you can communicate to people how you navigate the world in a more empowering way so that they can have compassion, understand this issue where you might need it, make accommodations, but they also, you and them can see your abilities and how to best accommodate. Yeah, I think, I I think Jeff, Jeff might be writing something. I have a feeling. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. Good. Roger. 
Microsoft. Why is it invisible? I I had to get to the point where I had to explain to people what I was good at and what I'm not good at. So it's on me. Wendy knows this about me. A part of my product isn't about people with or without disability. It's about both of them. I, I hold people with disabilities to a high expectation. If I don't communicate with you what I'm good at and what I might struggle with, there's a problem there. I need to loosen up on my ego. I'm not, I'm not 250 pounds full of muscle without a disability. And in GQ magazine, that's not me. Whether I want it to be or not, that's irrelevant. So I've got to get real with who I am and become okay with the man in the mirror. So that I can go out there and be honest with employers with A, what I might not be good at, but B, make sure I allow, allow B to overrule A. Because when I tell you what I'm good at, you're going to forget about what I'm not good at. So, Many job interviews over the past six years I've gotten because I disclosed my liability due to having CP. Wendy, I've I've got a question for you. When we think about from the employer perspective and and we're looking at that constant feedback, right? Let it be a, a critical piece of feedback for an employee on a regular basis or intermittent basis. Real quick from the employer perspective, and then I'd, I'd like to also transition this just natural conversation as well over to Allison and Jeff. But Wendy, from the employer side of the house, when, when you're providing feedback to somebody with a disability, let it be in in an interview process or as part of a regular cycle of, of uh, feedback uh, in, the, in the HR perspective, what are some things that you might want to consider that you might not currently be doing from the employer side. Well, the interesting thing is most employers are currently not providing feedback to anyone period (laughs) with a disability or not. And so if you know, when, not if, when you dive into this world of employing people with a disability, because you're missing out on, you know, amazing workers, you really do have to kick it up a notch and actually start providing feedback. And that means actually having job descriptions, uh, job descriptions that have reasonable accommodations written right in there, which will make it very clear for the employee, the candidate, like Jeff said, to say, I can do that, I can't, or I can do it 25% of the time, but not 100% is an accommodation. And so it's really just about having crystal clear expectations up front 
regardless if there's ability or disability involved, and then having regular feedback all the time. And so it's interesting. A lot of this is already in what I talk about all the time in my talks and in my books about feedback, 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 communication, and being prepared. And let's face it, most employers are not prepared. And I'm not saying that to knock employers. It's just the way it is. We wing things. We go through life. We hire people and we're like, oh, we didn't know there were these laws. We didn't know there's this. And then we find out the hard way there was. Uh, now in the COVID era or post-COVID, whatever you want to call it, 2022, we'll just go from there. You know, we have no choice but to be crystal clear with our expectations for all employees and provide feedback. Because if you don't, somebody else will and they'll steal your employees, including those with the, a disability that, like Jeff said, will go 150% beyond your expectations where maybe somebody without may not they may just do the hundred percent and from from more the employee perspective allison and jeff your, your thoughts on this like when communicating with an employer uh let it be in a critical feedback situation or maybe there's there's something more you want to show jeff you you, you were hitting a home run there you're, you're talking about it's it's up to you to speak up for yourself right I hit home runs all the time. And I, I've got to be where I need to be emotionally to accept criticism. That's part of my brand towards individuals preparing to go to work. When we go to work, we need to expect that somebody's going to say, Jeff, you need to speed up a little. Or, Jeff, I need you to work on this. I don't expect employers to walk on pins and needles because I'm not doing my job. Now, when we talk about not doing my job, am I not doing not care or am I struggling? What kind of enthusiasm am I? Am I giving you 150% or am I giving you 50? If I'm giving you 50, I would expect you to come to me, put me in the office and have a chat. Not a mean chat, but we we can't be afraid to discipline people with disability. I mean, I've been bullied my whole life. So what? It's part of being me. When I go to work, I got to fully expect that. I'm going to struggle in some areas. But if you don't point them out to me, you're, you're not doing just to me or your business. Allison. Remind me the topic. So we're yeah. talking about feed. feedback. So from, from like the employee perspective, you find yourself at work and, and there's that mm -hmm. moment of critical feedback. Let it be positive or negative. Uh, let it be your giving or receiving feedback in whatever the given scenario a little bit from well, your perspective in that regard. Yeah. I'm 
I'm pretty sure I was treated a lot like other employees, but that wasn't a great thing because I, my experience was that they had to, you know, either quarterly reviews or whatever reviews. And they just were so uncomfortable with giving any criticism or calling anyone out on stuff that they just like, we'll just go everything five or how let's be, I need to put a four or a three, but there was no discussion. And then that was the same way for a lot of employees. So that actually, I noticed enabled me to kind of lower my standards because I was like, okay, well, I'm exhausted. They're not going to call me out on it. So I'm going to, because I've worked five years in community mental health, which, you know, is known for burnout because you're working with the most difficult populations and doing multiple, like very large caseloads with high trauma. Um, And so they lost the opportunity. We wasted a bunch of time and paperwork when that could have been more conversations um, that would have been useful if they had talked to me like, Hey, your notes are coming in late or, but the, the more that they backed off of it, it now come seeing how well I do my job now that it's my own business. I realized like, huh, that was not only part just getting burnout from the, the job, but also they, it wasn't getting the feedback that probably would have helped in an encouraging way. When, when we're thinking about facing the, the workforce, maybe not all the time do we find that exact job or the right fit, or you're holding a position for a certain period of time and now you've found yourself cut, or you're going through some sort of life transition, and you can't get back on that stump in the same way that you used to. Is there, Allison, is there a certain level of shame associated with seeking out vocational rehab? Or is vocational rehab a resource that needs to be embraced more? Or is it is it not talked about enough? Is it just not understood enough? I would guess it's not as understood enough because everyone I've talked about has never even heard of it. Um, and they're an amazing resource. Every state handles it a little bit better. I know when I was in California, they would hook you up. You got the best treatment. But even here in California, excuse me, in Florida, um, they come out to your work site. They evaluate your work site. They have engineers that will evaluate like, okay, does this, does sitting in this position for too long, make your back hurt? How can we give you a different table? And they're really amazing people and they can come up with a lot of resources uh, where it doesn't come out of the employer's pocket. It comes straight from Voc Rehab. So Voc Rehab will pay for wheelchairs, standing wheelchairs, cushions, transportation devices, whatever barriers are in the way of getting employed and staying employed. So it can be years of support, not just in the beginning to get the job, right? You can open that back up, say, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling to keep this job. And that might be part of the feedback. Like, okay, you're having a difficulty in this area. Maybe we can get an engineer in here and see how we can support you to do this so, differently. Because so what is this? Of- What's vocational rehab though? I mean, is it, this is like a, a state sponsored thing. It's a, a, a national not-for-profit. Uh, what, what, what is it for people that aren't really aware of what vocational right. rehabilitation is? And I'm not an expert in this because I've just I've been hooked up with it since I was in high school, so since I was 15. But I believe it's a federally funded program operated at the state level. And um, it, I, who you have as a counselor matters. So if you don't feel like they're really advocating for you, they're not all created equally. And the budgets are not very defined. So you do have to advocate a little bit for yourself and your goals and what you need. So, um, and it is also, the person doesn't have to be receiving disability, um, like social security disability officially. They can just 
as long as they recognize themselves as having disability, and at least a doctor will say they have a disability, folk rehab will help them out. That can be anywhere from anxiety to um, quadriplegia, um, developmental disabilities, right? Those are different. So um, they have a lot of resources. They can have coaches come on the scene. Um, there's even resources I probably don't even know about based on everyone's individual disability and how good their counselor is. And, and Wendy, I know you've got a few resources out there as well, some things that you've tapped into as as a consultant in the past for others as well. What, what are some things from the employer's side that you might be aware of that's out there that could be looked into a little further? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the interesting thing is when I was doing some research to prepare for this panel, there were some things that I didn't even know about and that Allison didn't know about and that Jeff didn't know about. And so for the people that are listening and watching this, like, don't feel bad that you didn't know about this. Just know about it now and look into it and move forward. But there's the disabled access credit. There's work opportunity tax credit. Um, there's the vocational rehab, on-the-job training, you know, uh, training before and after school. And there's a ton of other resources, too, from the Department of Labor, uh, from the Social Security Administration. And, and um, I'll be sure at the end of this that we'll make sure that everybody that's listening gets these resources. But all you have to do is go on to the Ask Jan network. So it's Ask J-A-N Job Accommodation Network.org. And you could spend six days on there because there's so much information. I was literally just on there yesterday helping another HR professional who called me and said, hey, I have a situation with somebody with um, temporary disability. And what do we do? And this person had just as much experience as I do in the HR world. And it took us a good 45 minutes on the phone call to figure out where we might even need to concentrate to make sure that the employer was properly accommodating, but we needed information you know, from other resources. So you know, if you're listening to this today, don't feel bad that you don't know the answers. We're all on here and we don't know the answers, but there's so much opportunity, including a, Jeff uh, typed in a tuition reimbursement too. And so... There's a lot we can do to fill those gaps of our, the missing gaps of talent in the workplace that we can solve staffing shortages on one side, but on the other side, solve employment barriers for people with disabilities. But it takes all of us, the employer and the employee slash candidates to be aware of this and educate each other respectfully, as Allison has mentioned and Jeff too. And if if you need to know anything, you know, just, just ask Allison or Jeff and we'll make sure everybody gets their contact information. Fantastic. Hey, uh, one thing that I like to do on a lot of the shows that I, I help host, and I can't thank you enough for having me here today. I like to do a nice final thoughts. I like to go around the room and give everybody an opportunity to just say a few more things from their perspective in closing. But before we start that, Jeff, is it true you've got a book coming out soon? Is that right? A little birdie I told me you got a book coming out. I credit this challenge for, you know, I've always wanted to write a book, but it was never reality. When I formed a relationship with Wendy, she said, you ought to write a book. And you know what we did? We wrote a book. So what? what what's my book about? Hey. You're looking at it. It's a biography of my life. And I'm tearing up because 
when I read it, I don't tear up, but it's very emotional because I wrote a book on my life. And this book is going to change the world. And I believe that. Because what I do for a living is I'm trying to change perception of people with disabilities. And my book is about letting people know what it's like having a disability. What what my mom went through, what my family goes through, what my fiance deals with daily. It's not a bad thing. It's a, it's the biggest asset I got, and I'm sharing it with the world. Hopefully, in the next few months, we'll be publishing it. We're we're working out some kinks. But my website is callonjeff.com. Please put that in your phone or wherever you put it. Check up on it once a week and see when my publishing date. All the details will be on the website. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I want to thank all of y'all for this call. I appreciate you, Jeff. Allison, over to you for some final thoughts on your side as well. Well, I'm really excited for the book, um, both for people with disabilities and the community at large. That's super exciting. I think awareness is everything, Um, especially you've got some years under your belt of living life and working and navigating. Um, So that's really exciting. And I'm always continuing to learn and grow. And so like Wendy said, I love how she said it, like, it's okay that you don't know. It's better to come from a place of admitting you don't know and being cool with with learning because they're with disabilities you probably don't know and there's a lot out there that is possible. Um, so I really encourage both those those thoughts. Thanks. Ms. Wendy, some of your final thoughts. I want, yeah, sure. Thanks everybody for joining. I've learned a lot, uh, honestly, just preparing for this and you know, I'm in the HR space is what I do for a living. I'm like, how did I not know this? And then I said, we got to tell everybody. We got to tell everybody what I just learned. And you ha- you two have so much to share. And um, as a world, we just have a lot to learn about each other. And we need to remove biases. But then at the same time, it goes both ways, right? And we just need to continue to educate each other. So thanks for being here. Uh, appreciate it. And we will, you know, anybody that is listening, connect with any of us. We'll get our contact information at the end and ask us anything. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure being here today. I'm JC. Uh, really, at the end of the day, when, when you sit back and you listen to this, one of the things that stuck out for me today is it's not just the fact that these are actual abilities, but as much as that that empowerment of inspiring other people through what it is that you do and who you are and the way that you interact with others. Let it be the way that we've all interacted today or the way that you carry that forward in your own lives. Ladies and gentlemen, drive safe. Have a good day. Dude. Okay. Wendy, the HR lady sellers, you've got to do more of these. You have to do more of these. I loved it. I love giving Jeff and was it Allison? I'm sorry, Allison. Yes. 
Right, Allison. I love how how uh, that platform gain, gave uh, Jeff and Allison a quote. I'm de- a, a a a voice. I'm definitely going to get that book from Jeff. And you know what? And what he says is spot on, right? Because he says something out there about it, it's if you, if you need somebody to work on a, on a very detailed project or or numbers or data entry, hire somebody who's autistic, right? Because they they have the different ability than other people do. It's just a matter of educating yourself of what is out there, what kind of different abilities are out there, and just matching that skill set up with your organization. You should do a lot more of these. This is awesome, JC. Appreciate it very much, Ricky. Yeah, we, we're going to have a few more of these coming up. And uh, definitely, you know, I'd like to provide that opportunity on this relief path here of the hrtalkpodcast.com uh, stream uh, to, to put these through. And and to that, if there are any other HR practitioners out there that ever want to reach out to us, you know, we, we've got some reach. I'm going to put it that way. We've got some reach. And there's yep. a lot of people out there in the HR community that are podcasting. And, and you've got great stuff. You do great things. And, you know, I'm not talking about those that rival us that are actually boring programs. I'm talking about people like you that are listening, that have great ideas, that do real good programs. Unlike those other ones that are terrible podcasters that we don't horrible. listen to. They're, yeah, no. At all. They're horrible. They're that's, horrifying. That's how we know they're horrible. Yeah, no, we they're really bad. It's bad. It's yeah, so terrible. They're the worst. But yeah, over crappy. here, if you want to come here, you want to bring your content here, you want to relieve Pat, give us a call. Talk to us. More than right. happy to help provide the platform for you to get the message out. And then we're all working under the same umbrella. That's it. At the end of the day, we are all together. <laughs> Speaking about being together. Folks let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. With Ricky Baez. Inspirational quotes with Ricky Baez coming at you live right now. If there's a topic, person or just any kind of story that you fear, you don't understand, you don't like, don't cancel them. Don't cancel them out. Bring them to the table. Try to understand where they're coming from. You'll be surprised how much you will learn. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Before you fire your employees, talk to them. That's right. You heard what Ricky had to say. Talk to your employees before you fire them. That's all. Yes. If you're going to fire them, you do have to have a conversation before that action really happens. Do yes, you really though? Here, do you really though? I mean, at will employment, right? It doesn't <laughs> as, mean it has to go that way. As long as it's not having to do. Let's okay. Let me ask you this seriously. I mean, as long as it okay. doesn't have anything to do with a protected class, right? It's not. It's not age related. It's not sex mm-hmm. sexually oriented or anything like. It's just at will. Look, I'm. You're fired. That's it. No, no conversation <laughs> beforehand. You're just no, done. There You're has done. to be. There why? has to be why? a conversation. Why? Because the employee deserves to know the reason why, why they're being separated but, from employment. But why? Okay. Number one, it's the right thing to do. Okay. Take number that one. off the table. No, we both know. Okay, okay. Look, we both understand it's the right thing to do. I'm with that. 110%. For the, people, for the people not watching, I'm holding my forearm up with the finger. Like, one, two, as if I can't hold it up on my Ladies own. And gentlemen, no, no, so hang on a sec, Rick. It's actually funnier than that. Like, the way that he's holding his forearm, it's it's <laughs> almost like it's it's a separate utensil that he's about to, like, bring to the table. It's crazy. All right. All right. All right so we both, we both agree and we both know that it is the right thing to do. 
Okay, mm-hmm. but take that off the table. Take that. Put yourself at. You're in a different type of employer mindset right now, right? They don't okay. care about that okay. number one. So what? Go ahead. What's Got number it. two? All right, number two. I'm putting my HR hat on. Yeah. You you want to let them know exactly the reason why they're being terminated. That way, that's going to help you in case there's any legal issues later on. All right, and you get your documentations in order and make sure that it is true and consistent and fair that you do to everybody else. You did to this person because once the legal documents come through to get subpoenaed to uh, to uh, um, get your information, what. What you're saying happen is consistent, and that's going to help you out in court. Right, because you know that's where it's going to wind up going anyways, depending Duh. on your situation. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course. Just in case. You know? Okay, so so in, in that operations mindset, okay, let's say I've hired someone who's actually really awesome. I've, I've got Jeff on my team, right? Okay. And I'm, I'm pushing forward, and Jeff's doing amazing things, and Jeff's actually going above and beyond. And I'm actually getting more value because he's coming on board. He's not only getting the work done, but he's actually inspiring everybody else. And now there's somebody on the crew who, and again, we're talking operations perspective, right? There's someone on the crew that just doesn't get along with everyone else. And it's like a culture related thing, but not their background of or anything like that. It's not having to do with like their race or orientation or their age. It's just who they are. They're just a jerk. Right, and <laughs> they, you know, I employed someone from the jerk store by accident. I didn't know, you know, and they've been around for a little while. And I'm just like, I'm done. You're out. You're gone. I don't even want to talk to you about it. You, you're just done. You should That's probably, crappy. you should probably talk to them about it. I mean, if you should right? really talk to them about it, you should yeah. really talk. You yeah. don't want them out there wondering why they were let go. They're going to get pissed. They're going to get upset. I'm not saying this is the reason why you should have that conversation, Ooh. but you never know where they are in life. And they're going to come back with a weapon and do something crazy to the organization. I, I, got, a better idea. I got a better idea. Then huh? you take that person and you promote them. Then you promote no, them. No, no, yeah, no, you make you them, promote a, them. Yeah. You make them a manager and move them to a different department. <laughs> Now, I know you're joking. A lot of organizations go that route. Yeah, absolutely they do. do. And it's crappy. And it's crappy. That shows weak leadership with no backbone and no balls. Larry, look, you've you've really not fitting in in the operations crew on the floor here. Uh, We're heading in a different direction. But I am going to make you the manager overseeing human (laughs) resources. You're heading over there now. (laughs) He'll quit on his own. He'll quit on his own within a year having to do HR work. Right. And become an alcoholic. Oh, <laughs> so. oh man. Let me tell you. Yeah, man. It'll do it. This job will make it cynical. It really it really will. Speaking of cynical, it's the end Cynicism. of the work day. Yes. You've had a tough day. You had a tough week. You grab your cell phone, you start browsing. Next thing you know, you come across amazing photos of dear friends spearfishing. And you didn't even think that they could swim. How cool was that? <laughs> no, really. I mean, that's a true story. It's a true story, Rick. True story. Like, gotta, I'm, I'm not even lying. This. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like dead this. serious. Uh, during the ability panel, um, Allison had made mention about spearfishing, right? And then we connected on Instagram. And I'm like, she, she wasn't lying. She was literally, she got out of her wheelchair and she's spearfishing in like the Pacific Ocean. She's really? like, yeah, okay. she's like total boss, dude. Like total oh, boss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a real thing. So you're browsing the internet, and you just learn these amazing things, and then you stumble across TikTok. And you and I both know, when you get on TikTok, your friends are just sending you things back and forth. Hey, you've got an HR podcast. 
You see all these goofy, stupid things all the time. Why don't you dissect this from an HR perspective? So your Mm. palate shifts. You start thinking about life differently, and you get more serious. Ladies and gentlemen, these are stories that we're going to tie back to human resources directly from TikToks. Somehow. I don't know how we're (laughs) going to do it. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we do it every week. What's our first one here? This is from Oakwood19136 talking about, I see some stakes here. Let's see what this is all about. Yo, you got to be kidding me. Walmart now has the steak locked up. Holy shit. Let's come to this. This is getting bad now, man. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Describe okay. it. Describe it. Describe it. <laughs> so this is a guy, I guess he's in Walmart. He's, he, he's bringing up a thing of steaks from the uh, steak freezer. And they have one of those uh, one of those chicken electronic wire. monitors on it and chicken wire over yeah. it. Yeah. So you Are we can't... at a point that we have to put an electronic device and chicken wire over steaks at Walmart? Bro, the cost of those steaks are serious, though. Those two steaks right there. What's the price tag say? I think it says it's like $40 for, for two top loin. I mean, what, what are you looking at there? What do you $11. see? $11.97 a pound. That's not bad. That's a lot. For ribeye? That's insane what? for ribeye. Oh, my are God. You- Publix got it for nineteen ninety five a pound. This is not bad over at Walmart. No wonder they put the chicken wire on it. <laughs> I'm going to Walmart oh, with some bolt cutters. <laughs> I have never seen I have never seen meat like meat wrapped in chicken wire and locked up like that. Before. Me neither. Me neither. This is this is some crazy World War Z part two type of stuff. What the hell stuff. is going on in twenty twenty two? Let me tell you. I don't know, I don't man. Know. I don't know. All right, There's moving, the HR moving down the line. Moving down the line. <laughs> Let's oh, not. There's a lot of HR in that one. Right. Yeah. No, we're not even going to touch it. Let's let's not talk about how much this made me giggle. This next one. This is Lucas Salifano. Let's not talk about. Oh, I, I get what you did. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. Why did the Mexican start taking anti-anxiety medication? This is so wrong. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. Well, he was taking him. He was taking him for. <laughs> is he gonna say what I think he's gonna say? Crap. He is. I was gonna say this. He was taking them for his panic attack. I knew it. <laughs> what? 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 What was? What was that? What was that? I need some. I need some of that medication right now. <laughs> Repeat it for, for the people panic. that didn't catch it, because a lot of us didn't get that real quick on the first call. Well, I, How, and you need okay, to be the one. Why did here's the first one? Hold on, hold on. The Mexican start taking anti-anxiety medication. So why did the Mexican start taking his anti-anxiety medication? Okay, and he couldn't get it out, and I'm thinking, oh, dude, is he going to go there? And he did. For his panic attack. <laughs> his panic attack. Okay. Let's draw a correlation to the HR world with this here. So wait. Okay, oh, no. This, this guy's is a, a good jerk. One. It's a good one. It's a good one, this but a it's good not one. a good one. You can't do that. You couldn't do that at work. Well, Could you do that well, at work? Wait. I don't know. Well, Talk to y- me. Yes and no. Yes and no. Is it an inappropriate joke? It, look, some people may think it is. I, I think it's funny, right? I don't think it's inappropriate, but... Other people may think it is. I've got a dark sense of humor, so I go by what other people say. 
But let's say, JC, you are the manager of a department and you walk into the break room and you just happen to walk into a conversation between him and five other people. And he says that joke. Everybody's laughing. Here's what I would do. If I saw that, and although I think it's funny, that's not the, the workplace is not a place for that kind of a joke because it is it could be considered racially insensitive. Some people may not like it. So the best thing to do is to have a coaching session with that person off to the side and say, look, I get it. You're trying to live, you know, just just lighten up the whole situation at work. Just do me a favor. Lay off of those kind of jokes. I would appreciate it. I know it's funny. I get it. But some people uh, may not think it's funny. It would be a good idea if you lay off those jokes. Thank you very much. Yeah, it, it would be even funnier if you came into the break room saying that to me and the people that are around me as it's St. Patrick's Day and you dress like a friggin' leprechaun where it's socially acceptable. <laughs> you know, Isn't that one of the funniest things, though, is like um, if, if you dissect anything else in the entire world, it, everything right now is either racist or offensive unless you're Irish. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Irish, like at the end of the day, like uh, people that are Irish, they really don't care. And people that are celebrating the Irish things, they show up throwing around Lucky Charms and drinking tons of beer. Oh, it's St. Patrick's Day. Are you me, lad? <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, oh. that's not different than Cinco de Mayo. Oh, right? good point. You're having How is a, any different are, than that. Are you having a uh, an anxiety oh, issue here? Some sort of I attack? need some pain. Medication. <laughs> oh, oh, brutal. Slippery one. slope. Slippery slope. Look, the next one, Rick, let me intro this one right here. There's a lot Go. of stuff going on with Joe Rogan. There's been a lot of stuff going on with cancellations and, and with wanting people to be canceled. And as of right now, Rogan is one of those top dogs out there that they are attempting to attack hand over fist. Yep. And this clip is going to address that. I look forward to what you have to say on the back end of this. So CNN primetime average is 0.82 in millions, which is pretty That's crazy. Pretty, yeah. Less than less than a, a million. MSNBC primetime average uh, 1.27. Rachel Maddow 2.2. Ingram Angle 2.3. Fox News primetime 2.3. Hannity 2.9. The Five 2.98. Tucker Carlson Tonight 3.24. So these are all so far traditional media companies, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and then major anchors that are on those networks. Joe Rogan experience, number one, at 11 million. Wow. Hello, freak bitches. <laughs> 11 million average viewers yeah. per show with a single guy yeah. podcasting out of a studio Jamie, with a desk. Jamie, Jamie would like a word. Yeah, two, sure. Two guys. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it's it's crazy. So, so CNN. Yep, there wow. you go. I'll talk about perspective. Perspective and big numbers right there. Wow. Does that make know you feel? That. I, it makes me feel like uh, our point two listeners should really step up their game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Wow, dude. I did not know that that's how he compared to the other big boys. Like we sit, we sit down and we talk numbers, right? And you, you can't. I mean, in the world of podcasting, you can only go so far, right? And uh, you, you, you see some of the numbers and you flex them between 20 and 60,000 people touching your program and you're feeling good. It's nothing. Yeah. It is a drop in the bucket compared to 11 point. Two billion yeah. people watching, like the entire world is watching Rogan, basically, and the, and wow. they're going after him for a cancellation strategy. I, had, they're barking up the wrong tree, brother. I they are, dude. I don't get it. And and for those of you who don't know, he had a I forgot the the guy's name, Doctor Michael. Phil. I Dr. forgot Phil. what it was. 
<laughs> no. It was not Dr. Phil. <laughs> it was it was a guy who's who's respected in this space when, when talking about vaccines. And he says some things that about vaccines that other people don't agree with. And the way I look at it is, look, if Joe Rogan says don't take this or take this, I'm not going to listen to him. He's just a podcaster guy. But the guy who dedicated most of his life to this field, I should listen to what this guy has to say, right? And listen to his opinion versus other people, opposite opinion, who have an equal type of a of a background. That is a debate I want to see. But just because he was on there and people are are trying to cancel him and then somebody put a video a video together of all the N-words he's used in the past 12 years, which I got to agree, it sounds really bad. <laughs> it sounds – I don't know if you saw that video, JC. It sounds bad. So did he make a stupid decision on saying the N-word? Yeah. Does it mean that he's racist? No. I mean, he's the exact opposite of that. But they're trying to cancel him. Look, Spotify can do what they want. Spotify is an organization, and they can keep whoever they want on the platform and not keep them on the platform, right? It's it's their choice. But they're between a rock and a hard place because Joe Rogan doesn't need Spotify. Joe Rogan was big before Spotify came around. He could just go back to YouTube. He could just go and didn't Rumbler offer him a million dollars to uh, to uh, flip over to them, right? And 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 he said he, he said no. Look, that's a man they can't shut down. I understand why they're going after him. I didn't know he had that much power in comparison to the other outlets. Yeah, but, no, he's he's swinging, he's swinging. Yeah, he is, man. But look, we're in a situation that I don't know if I'm going to get I, JC. We might get canceled for that Hispanic joke. You will. We might. Yeah, I will. <laughs> right? You will. I will. <laughs> then I really, I, w- I really will need medication. That's right. <laughs> so, Moving right along. Yeah. What do you got next? I have Loey Whaley. Oh, this is Toodaloo. good. This is All so right, let's good. Check it out. You will be expected to be back in the office at the start of the month. I was hoping we could discuss a longer term remote solution or even a hybrid. I'm not open to having that discussion. Has my performance been lacking since working from home? No, you hit all your targets and deliverables. Have I not been available or as much of a team player? You're an incredibly valuable part of this team. And I still need to return to the office full time? Yes, that is correct. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear about your loss. Sorry, what loss? Me. <laughs> Toodaloo. <laughs> I love it. Boom. That's sorry a mic to hear drop. about your loss. That's a mic drop right there, right? Good for her. Good for her. Now, I'm seeing a trend. I don't know if you're seeing this too, JC. Tell me. I'm seeing a trend. Uh, This time, exactly a year ago, a lot of my clients were talking about bringing everybody back to the office, bringing everybody back back to the office. And I'm telling them it's a bad idea. (laughs) People are getting used to working from home. Productivity shot up 37% collectively. Leave them alone. Give them the flexibility. 12 months later, right now, Nah, leave them there. It's okay. They're working good <laughs> after they lost a bunch of people because yeah. they were trying to bring them back into the office. Yep. I can't try to tell them. Try to tell them. Flexibility is key. This is the new normal. If you right now today, if you right now today, you are an organization that did really good with your employees working from home and now you're trying to bring them back and you're still holding firm on that ideology that they have to work from the office – you are going to be one of those organizations that to this day still don't offer health insurance benefits. Yeah. That's that that's how that's how off the charts you're going to be. So I don't um, know when the last time bad. it is that you went on Indeed and took a look around, but I'm gonna tell you something. If you go on there right now, and uh I, I'm I'm not advocating anyone in particular do this by any stretch of the imagination, but if you go on Indeed and you look up remote part time, there are I don't even know how many tens of thousands of jobs 
posted out there. Now, some of those might be working for a Nigerian prince. Others might actually be legitimate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the end of the day, there's opportunities. Next thing you know, yeah. you pick up three of those and you're working in shifts. Oh, my gosh. You're, yeah. you're, you're cleaning up. And then all you got to do is pay the penalty to the government for not having health insurance and you're fine. You know, that's it. That's it. That's it. It's just paying the penalty. What costs more insurance or the penalty? I guess that's the uh, that's what they had to do. But things are changing, JC. Things are changing real quick. Uh, I was talking to a colleague last week and um, she made me aware. She, she didn't show me the entire thing. Um, she made me aware of the top of a resume and it said vaccinated. And we had a really good conversation about that and how the shift that this now, pandemic has done. Uh-huh. Now, wait a minute here, though. I mean, if um, at the top of my resume, it said has no STDs. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> where, well, I mean, where do you I draw the line, man? Are you cool with pictures on resumes now, too? Like, uh, well, we actually, it depends. How about blood type? <laughs> it depends what kind of industry you're going we, into. If you're we only for hire position, O positive. <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> like, I'm dude, sorry. All I'm saying is, if you're going to apply for a position to work for Cinemax at two in the morning, then, yeah, maybe you want to put if you got STDs on your resume or not. Right. Maybe it depends. Ah, but here you are. No ingrown uh, toenails. Boom. <laughs> hire that guy. Oh, we got to bring that him guy because we pay way too much money in health and welfare benefits for ingrown toenails. So, yeah, good. Hire that you guy. know what? OK, to that then at the top of the resume, then. Uh, what about has never had heart attack or runs, you know, runs marathons frequently, has good cholesterol? Uh, do you put your blood pressure? <laughs> do you put your blood pressure at the top of the resume? Is that going to be a thing? Not on blood now, pressure I, medication. I oh. don't know, but I tell you what, that caught my eye. It definitely caught my eye. And if that guy's intention was to cast a recruiter's eye, good for you, because it did. Now, it's. It, it wasn't my candidate. It was her candidate. But I'm like, how did, are you guys tracking vaccination? She's like, no. I'm like, uh, he must have written that back when that rule was still in effect, where the ETS was going to go through. And maybe that was going to get him a job. Ooh, I don't yeah, know. Maybe I've be. never seen that before, though. I just right. thought it was interesting how the pandemic has changed the employment and labor law uh, landscape. That's all. That's all. Just thought it was interesting. Pretty intriguing. Our journey down the path of TikTok continues. This is Rodney, Rodney D. Norman. Let's see what Rodney D. Norman has to say. Sometimes you end up getting where you want to go and then find out when you get there that you don't want to be where you're at. And then you feel like this is all just a waste of time. But just remember, if you never got there, then you'd always be wanting to get there. And then you don't know you don't want to be there until you get there. So sometimes you just got to go where you don't want to go. Just know that that's not where you want to be. Okay. That was super freaking awesome the rest of your day and stuff. Okay, bye. Dude, he's, he's got a point there. I love it. Dude, this guy is awesome. Uh, like, he looks like Gandalf right before, like, just, just getting back from vacation without his hood and, and all his wizard attire. His hair's all over the place, big white beard and Talking about if you ever wanted to get to what you want to get to and you get to what you want to get to, you don't want to be there. This is great. That This whole monologue, this whole monologue should be the intro right before the music for the next um, um, HR Talk episode. And then the music starts. Boom. Done. There it is. That's what we're going to do. What's next in the guy. coffers there, man? <laughs> the next one. All right. 
Next one is Chris Drinks Lemonade. God, these names are so weird. Here we go. Okay, so here's the story of how I kind of got myself laid off. To start, back in January when I had my annual review, when this whole conversation about fair market value salary happened, I said straight up, if I'm not getting a raise, I'm going to go find my own raise. So I don't plan on staying with this department much longer. So I had already expressed interest in leaving the company. After we started training people to do our jobs, and then we were like, hey, what's going on? You're offshore jobs, whatever. Uh, we got the call from our uh, senior manager. She had all the departments, and it was like, look, 70% of you are going to be losing your job today, and that's just what's happening. Um, it's not... An Ending today, it's going to be ending somewhere in 2022, uh, somewhere between February and April, depending on your department. So I had already expected to be laid off at that point. I was like, great, I already, great, let's just get this over with. I will be the easiest call for my boss today. And throughout the day, I was getting messages from my coworkers saying they were being laid off. I didn't see a single person being kept. So my boss calls me, I have the call, and she goes, so the company has decided to retain you. And I said, what? She's like, yeah, so they feel like you're essential to this transition. So I know you said you don't want to really be here, but hopefully you'll stay. And I said, great, then we need to talk about a raise or we need to allow me to work from home full time because I'm not going to come back into the office. I've already said this to you. So it's a raise or I work from home full time. Long pause. And she said, well, there's not going to be exceptions to you working from home. You can't work from home full time. And we've already talked about a raise. And I said, "Okay, great. Then my last day is December 31st. I hope you haven't fired everybody already. So the call ends at this point, and I figure I've just handed my resignation in, so we're good and we're done. Uh, but a few days pass, and an HR rep calls me and says, hey, can we talk about this? Like, we just want to make sure that we can, what can we do to get you to stay? And I said, a raise or let me work from home full time. And they said, well, we can't do that. And if you're not willing to stay, we can just include you on the layoffs. And I was like, so the severance package. Like, well, yeah, but that's not the resolution we want. And I was like, oh, no, 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 that's the resolution I want. I want that resolution, please. Thank you. What can we do to make that happen? So now I am working from home the whole time. I'm staying till April to collect my severance. And they had to call two of the people they just let go to cover for me. So they hired two people to cover for me, which is costing them more money. I won. Okay, so here's wow. the story of how I... Dude. Talk to me. First of all, good for him. Good for him. He knows how much he's worth. And he pretty much told the organization, here are my options. This is what I'm willing to do. And the, I, I guess that caught the organization off guard. I don't know why, right? But he did, he, you know what? Maybe it's a good thing that he's not sticking around because that organization is not very smart, if that's the case, right? You're going to go ahead and call two people back to backfill him, which I'm assuming both of those salaries was going to be significantly less than the raise he was asking for. Just give him the raise he's asking for. That way he can continue to do the work that you're saying he's too valuable for you to let go. Why, why not do that? This sounds like an ego problem with the leadership in the organization more than anything else. So this guy, I'm on his side here. I'm on his side. And I don't know why HR thought that they can be he, – he could not have been any more clear, JC. That's what I'm saying. It, 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 it was very clear what he wanted to do and what he asked to do that didn't happen was going to be less money than what the company is now spending because of their ego. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> so good for him. How do you shift that needle? How do you shift that needle from A to B on this topic out there, Rick? HR, learn 
the finances of the business. Don't let egos get in the way because egos is going to cost money like it happened here. So when this person tells you this is what I want to do and you deem that person a valuable part of the organization's future and you're not going to let that person go, put dollars and cents together. Do a comparison analysis. Figure out which one is going to be more valuable at the same time as least expensive for you going into the future. And it was giving this guy a raise or let him work from home. What, what is it? How is it going to cost money any of the company, anything if they don't continue to work from home, the company lost here and good that he didn't stick. Cause now he's going to stick around until he gets a severance all because leadership doesn't want to cave in. That makes no sense. Right? So HR people do the finances, figure out what makes more fiscal, it, it more fiscal sense to you and the organization. And if your um, uh, business leader still continues on going down that road, let's not give this guy any credit then you know what? You're working for a horrible organization. Jump ship. It's time for Florida Man Stories. Florida Man Stories this week is brought to you in part by the HR Talk Lady, HR Talk Lady Wendy Sellers. She's a friend of Biosco Learning, Biosco.com. Feel free to check them both out. They do stuff with things. They're very kind people. You're your, <laughs> or, uh, or out of your F-750 with reggaeton playing, right? That's right. So your your story this week is not really a story. Uh, it's just a resource we'd like to take this opportunity to share with you. Uh, mm-hmm. On behalf of the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation, Florida Department of Education, please stop by rehabworks.org. Uh, there's an organization, Employment Service Services Providers, an employment services provider is a not-for-profit organization that's been approved to help uh, VR customers get or keep jobs. To be eligible to become an employment services provider, the organization must meet the minimum criteria of having a 501c3 not-for-profit status with the IRS and have experience working with and finding employment for persons with disabilities. Once again, this is RehabWorks.org. They have a whole section about that employment service provider manual. Uh, within the manual, they address things such as on-the-job training for adults, uh, OJT wage reimbursement, supported employment, um, wage reimbursement in general, all the way around. They've got a plethora of forms and a lot of resources when it comes to vocational rehabilitation. Once again, that's rehabworks.org. And this is very specifically for our friends in Florida. This is provided through the Florida Department of Education. Ricky mm. Baez, back to you. No, it, it's uh, that is a great organization. If you're really looking for uh, for uh, folks with specific abilities for your organization, reach out. Definitely reach out. You've got some spots that need to be filled. You've got some talent, some talent gaps that can be easily filled by by a a variety of different people with different po- different talents. So make sure that you just don't look down one well to find that specific water diversify where you look. Trust me, you're going to find somebody that's going to fit your need. Also, within our Florida stories today, I cannot disappoint the the fans of the program. If you're not aware, Dwayne Smith and his 11-year-old grandson, Alan Cadwallader, were out magnet fishing. This was in Homestead, a suburb of Miami, <laughs> Florida. They were within five minutes of their arrival, and uh, the, the kid reeled in two sniper rifle receivers and a bolt carrier group wrapped in shrink wrap. With magnet fishing, every time I cast out or every other time I'm coming up with something, Smith said, there's a bottle cap or, you know, maybe a $7,000 sniper rifle. 
Smith, who is a <laughs> retired infantry soldier and trained in deploying sniper weapons, said he knew the weapons were military grade. He estimates each piece weighed 20 pounds, and after doing some research, Smith estimates they're worth $20,000 and could have been there for up to a year because of the condition that they were in. The weapons were turned over to Miami-Dade police and will be sent to forensics lab to be processed just to make sure that they're not connected with any crimes. Uh, the the magnet fishing craze is taking hold. It is very popular in Florida. You'll find people with magnets fishing the causeways or the retention ponds like near the A1A Beachfront Studio. Ricky buys back to you. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to go out magnet fishing now, see what I find. Although I don't know how comfortable I would be if I went out magnet fishing with my son and I pulled out a uh, a, uh, a sniper rifle. Right. And I, I don't know if I'll throw it back or if I contact because I don't want my name attached to that. Right. I don't want my name attached to any documentation <laughs> that I found because there's a reason that thing is down at the bottom of the canal wrapped in shrink wrap. Right. No, right. somebody doesn't want that thing found. And I don't want to be the one that finds it. So that's what I'm like. Ah, now your, so name, I guess your name's in the paper. <laughs> right. Oh, like, I got a great oh, idea. Found it. He found sniper rifle parts. Let's publish his name and address. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly, that's the real Florida man story. Like whoever these news reporters are, you know, I mean, come on. I, I read that story last week and I'm like, dude, I don't know how comfortable he's going to feel Crazy, having right? his name and everything out there. They didn't blur his face out of nothing. Yeah, we just found him and we gave him up to the police department. So I'm like, man. interesting, interesting things. Hey, Ricky, speaking of interesting things, do you remember last week uh, when we were talking about the uh, the hundred thousand beats, the the human heart? Remember that? Yes, yes. How well, I will lose weight when somebody tells me I'm heartless. Yes. Well, that's right. And this week, our clip from Interesting Things comes to us from this past episode on Wednesday. Check this out real quick. The blue whale. Got it. It's the largest animal on the planet, weighing up to 150 tons, measuring up to 90 feet long. The largest of blue whales can measure at over 100 feet in length and can weigh more than 180 tons at its largest. If you've ever seen a 10-story building, it'll give you an idea of just how large this whale actually is. Naturally, an animal this massive would have an equally huge heart. And the blue whale's heart weighs in at about 1,300 pounds. To move blood through this colossal body and arteries, its heart beats so powerfully that you can hear it from two miles away. It was believed that their heart only beats 8 to 10 times per minute, but that was actually just disproven in 2019. Jeremy Goldbogen, who is an assistant professor of biology in the School of Humanities Sciences at Stanford, and his team collaborated with Paul Ponganis from the Scripps Institution of Oceanography to conduct a study on the blue whale at sea. They literally stuck a machine to the side of the massive blue whale, and it read its heartbeat at sea. They applied a suction cup attached electrocardiogram depth recorder to a single free diving whale in Monterey Bay, California, and what they found was amazing. Near the surface, the whale's heartbeat was about 35 to 30 beats per minute. In dives, though, they detected very, very low heart rates, down to four beats per minute when the whale goes for that deep dive. It was the first time researchers recorded the heart rate of the largest animal that has ever lived on planet Earth 
and discovering the flexing heart rates as per the dive depths was very important. To get blood through the blue whale's large body, it has massive arteries, which pump blood through the heart into its major vital organs. The arteries are so large, in fact, that a full-size human could swim through them. The aorta alone measures at over nine inches. The blue whale's heart is about the size of a golf cart or a go-kart. And when comparing a human's heart to the heart of a blue whale, the average size of a human's heart is about the same as that individual's fist and weighs less than a pound in most healthy adults. In contrast, blue whale's heart weighs in at about 1,300 pounds. Researchers have come to the conclusion that a slower heart rate during dives decreases oxygen delivery to tissues and slows the overall depletion of blood oxygen stores while also decreasing oxygen consumed by the heart itself. And lung compression during descent and expansion during the ascent may also contribute to a decrease or increase in heart rate. Increases in muscle blood flow, blood oxygen delivery to muscle, and the depletion rate of blood oxygen remain undocumented at this time. It's unknown if blood oxygen decreases more rapidly during these transient elevations in heart rise. But we look forward to reading more about the great work that the team from Stanford is doing in finding out more about their continuing and interesting research in the years to come. Please visit stanford.edu to learn more about their amazing blue whale research. These are Interesting Things with JC. I'm upset with you, JC, because not once during that segment did you cite Joe Rogan. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. He's the expert at whales, JC. Yeah, right. He's got a friend who's an expert at whales. I don't know if you heard his show. No. He's got a friend everywhere. Oh yeah, a buddy yeah, of mine no. does this. A buddy of mine does that. I mean, he's a he's he knows everybody that does everything about what he talks about. Yeah, I found that really interesting though about the whales. It's it's crazy though, you know, doing this show interesting things on the side of this. And, and here's the reason, folks. I keep I'm bringing this up and saying it's on the side because it really is. It's just a segment. It's something that you could start your day with that takes two to seven minutes, or it's something that you use as a segment in a program like this to break things up. Yep. And really, at the end of the day. This one is interesting from a different perspective. Can you imagine um, being on that HR team over at Stanford University and you're assembling the team that that needs to go ahead and suction cup and electrocardiogram <laughs> to the side of a blue whale in Monterey Bay? Like, wh- how is that onboarding process? I, I think at that point, it's not, it, even though it might even still be, so here's my question, even though it may still be equal and fair opportunity, you're looking for very, very specific skills, and jobs may actually be offered to very specific people in this instance, where it might not be opened up to just anyone to apply. That's still okay, right? You can open it up to anybody to apply, but it's going to be extremely difficult for you to find that one person that you need. So the life cycle of that open requisition for that, for that position with that detail of a skill set it's radically different than one for, I don't know, an HR person or a call center rep, right? Call center rep, maybe two weeks to two, uh, 30 days to fail. Something that specific, that detail might take six months. You know, it's almost like, like when how, it, how many people are going to have that skill set? Yeah, exactly. It's like hiring a yeah. professor, though, at the same time. You know, uh, there's universities out there that are swaying professors to leave the Ivy League all the time. 
And then they're trying to pay them extra money to come on over to a specific university or somewhere in between. So, so I want you to, if you could, shed a little bit of light on targeted recruitments for requisitions. Do you know what I mean there? No, I don't know exactly what you mean. So it's if you are a specialized recruiter, that you are a recruiter. In order for you to be a recruiter, you have to be able to it. it you you have to know the job inside and out, or or maybe you've you networked. To, you've networked in the industry, and you know who the key players are by that point too. True, but you have to know what questions to ask right, and which right. answers are right, which answers are not right. So you can't just step in into a recruiting position for a physician that has a specific um, uh, skill set, and you don't know what you're asking. It could, you could find somebody who can give you an amazing response and you wouldn't know if it's valid or not because you don't know if he's just really charismatic or if the person has just fed you a bunch of crap. You don't know that, right? So it, it's um, you have to be in that specific niche where you are able to know what you're looking for, know what to say yes to, and it's, it's going to take a long time. So that's, that's, that's how when somebody becomes a general practitioner doctor, yeah, you're going to you're a generalist with anything, but in order for you to be a dentist or a a um, a urologist or something different, an oncology, you have to go to more detailed school for you to be proficient in that. The same thing goes for the recruiters. So could you also, within the requisition, along that same lines, if you are looking for someone that has a high-functioning level of autism, is is talk to me about that is that okay to look for as part of a requisition or are you heading down a weird path at that point you're heading down a weird path and you have to be careful how you do it right it's you can't just say you don't have autism i'm not going to hire you that's right? you what have i'm to have <laughs> yeah you can't say that you have to put out there what the position for the job is and you make sure that the community that knows a lot about that specific um area that specific expert expertise they are aware of the position you are hiring and you have to know what kind of things they are great at so you can model your job description so you can model your uh, your your marketing campaign that way they receive it they come in for an interview you test them to make sure that their abilities are spot on and you give them a freaking job boom said and done ladies and gentlemen ricky buys bicycle learning and all those other good things ricky final thoughts going around the room you've got like 10 seconds go ahead Folks, put positions out there to everybody in community areas where you normally wouldn't. You'll be surprised what kind of skill set you get. And don't discount anybody or anything because of a disability. Make sure you focus on their abilities. You're and, not going to be disappointed. And don't forget, you can stop by to see Ricky and I over at the Space Coast HR Conference in Port Canaveral coming up in April. Ricky, a little bit about that real quick, please. Space Coast HR Conference.com. There are tickets still available the 25th annual Space Coast HR Conference, April 20th, Cape Canaveral. Come see us. You're going to love it. You're not going to regret it. Trust me. On behalf of Ricky Baez, I'm JC. And on behalf of everyone who is part of the ability panel today, big thank you going out to Wendy awesome. Sellers, the HR lady, to Jeff, to Allison. Thank you so much for all that you do. Feel free to find some more information on the links associated with the program today or stop by Biasco or navigate over to HR Lady and, and all those fun websites. They've got stuff with things. I'm JC. Drive safe. Have a good night. I had a cold McMuffin earlier today and it ruined my day. Why? Because it was cold. 
I waited for 10 minutes for that thing to come out. Dude, you and know. And it came out cold. There was one of the, does that have the square or the round egg on there? No, that has the round egg. The round the egg. Muffin. Yeah, no, that, it's yeah. real interesting. Here's another interesting thing. With McDonald's, when they d- do the eggs, they actually have a form uh, and they crack fresh eggs when they're going into the round one. Where when it's the folded egg, those come in sheets that they have to warm up. Did you know that? I did not know that. I thought they made everything in-house. 